Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to Confidence Killers 2.0. And if you were here last week, you'll be excited because you know you're already a winner. You have beaten 39,999 other sperm to the egg. And I just want to say, I have beaten so many more attractive sperm than I was back then to the egg. So I won. And before I went to the egg, I turned around and I went, geez, boy, is my forehead itchy. But we wouldn't do that because that's a negative thing to do. And tonight is about positive. It's about not those negative words, those lies, those things that are spoken over us that bring us down and that we sometimes take on board, which isn't a, isn't a good thing. So you're already a winner. Speaking of voices, I, I, I think this started back in the garden and this has been one of the situations in humanity that we've struggled with. What voices do we listen to? And if you go back to Genesis, and I, I I've mentioned this before, but when Adam and Eve fell into sin, God went out into the garden and he said, where are you? And Adam said, we realized we were naked and so we hid. And God's response is so profound. He he says, who told you you were naked? And the problem wasn't being naked. It was we'd allowed someone else to enter into our conversation with God. Who spoke into your conversation? At what point did you think it would be a really good idea getting another opinion on anything in creation outside your creator? And ever since then, we haven't listened to God and we have been confused about which voices to take in and which ones to leave out. So... Our key verse for the confidence killers is Hebrews 10.53. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Confidence has reward. And I would say that confidence also has an inheritance. As a born-again believer, this isn't an optional extra. This is your birthright confidence. To walk this world with confidence, doing God's work. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to take away from you. He wants to undermine you, take away your confidence. And that means that your ability to impact pact for the kingdom is lessened somewhat. So we're looking at Gideon. Now, if you know the Old Testament, the Israelites had this habit of going backward and forward. They would follow God, everything would go well, and then they'd walk away from God and they'd pick up a few other gods, you know, hedge your bets just in case, pick up Baal and, and whatever. And God would allow another nation to come in and overrule them harshly. And so they'd cry out to God, help, and he would send a judge. And the judge would come in, fix everything up, everything would be sweet, and then they'd walk away again. And I know we think, how did they do that? How did they not get it? But we might be a little bit like them too, in some ways, as we'll we'll find out. Gideon was hesitant and fearful and unsure of himself, certainly wasn't confident. But God spoke some powerful words into him. He encouraged him. He transformed him overnight from a, a farmer into a mighty general through his direction. Judges 6, 11 to 12. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belongs to Joash, the Abezrite. No, I've got that wrong. Uh, 
where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. So the Midianites were the latest oppressors and they were horrendous to the point where if once you had a crop ready to go, they'd either destroy it completely or they'd just come in and take it for themselves. So here's Gideon, he's threshing the wheat in a winepress so the Midianites don't know it's there. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You're a mighty warrior because the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Wouldn't it be, what a great positive start after all those years. How different would our lives be if we woke up in the morning and just thought, Fraser, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I think I'd have a lot more successes during the day. I'd be a lot more positive if I started like that. The problem was, his response was one of doubts and confusion and excuses. And we'll see why in a moment. Good positive words being spoken in, but this is what he, how he responds. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Who has been speaking into this man's life? Back in Deuteronomy, uh, God said to the Israelites, when your children ask why we do these rituals, why this altar has been erected, tell them that I brought them out of Egypt. Tell them all the good things that I've done, all the good things that I'm doing, all the good things that I'm going to do. But we can see, spoken into this young man, it's... Well, you need to get some other gods just in case. We need to worship Baal. We have to have a, our Asher pole ready to go just in case. And where's God? Where is the God that led us out of Egypt? He's abandoned us. That's what was spoken into him. And the truth was they had abandoned God. There was no confession of the apostasy that he's been through. And the Lord in his grace... It says this, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? The Lord looked at him and he didn't see fear or he saw the potential of faith. He didn't see Gideon the way he was but saw him the way that he could be. And he spoke positivity into him. This is the creator's voice over Gideon. I know you. I made you. I know the strength in you. I know what you can do. So go forth and do it. And Gideon jumps in again. And this is the lowest of the low. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. He's very polite, isn't he? But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. Now, they're his words, but if you went back then to the cloud of Manasseh, they wouldn't have a big sign up, welcome to Manasseh, population 30,000, the weakest clan ever. <laughs> it's not something you say about yourself, but when people say that about you, eventually you take it on. And not only is it the weakest clan in Manasseh, he says, I'm the least in my family. What does that mean, least? The weakest, the smallest, the, the youngest? It, it, it doesn't matter. But that's what had been spoken over him, obviously again and again and again and again. And now he's in that dangerous position of saying it himself. I am the lowest 
in my family. What they've said, I own now. It's me. I'm attaching it to me. And the Lord is so patient. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you were struck down the Midianites, leaving none alive. We need to be so careful of taking on board the words that are spoken over us. When I entered kindergarten, they discovered I had a problem. My eyes go like that. But they didn't realise that. But if you watch, I don't use my right eye. My eyes kind of... You see that? It's called Marty Feldman syndrome. No, it's not. I just dated myself, I know. (laughs) Few of you are looking it up. No. And... I can see okay and I can deal with every day, but when they put letters in front of me in kindergarten, so the letter O, like that, I would see with one eye and with another eye and they'd sort of cross over, so they'd look like three holes. And then I was presented with a horrendous word like cat and three letters would superimpose over another three letters and it looked like six worms having a fight. And I had this horrible kindergarten teacher who was a former nurse in the Crimean War and she said to me, C-A-T, cat, sounded out phrase, cat. And I'm looking at these six worms and I'm going, I don't know how you're getting that. And she would get louder and she would say it slower like I was even more stupid than I thought. And um, I, I just couldn't connect with it. And... I saw the mess, I thought everyone else saw the mess, and the reason why they could see Cat was because they were smarter than me. And that's what she said too. <laughs> so I was, had special remedial work in the morning, and that of course didn't work because the problem wasn't fixed. And then I went to the special class, which I think was the OA class. Yeah, so I was trapped there for three years. Didn't learn much, had a really good time. <laughs> I remember things being explained to the year one teacher the next year. Oh, don't expect anything of Fraser. Kids, I want you to write down what you did in the holidays. I drew an egg on a piece of paper. Ooh, what's that, Fraser? Is that an egg? Brook, brook. Oh, it's a chicken egg, is it? Yeah, you idiot. No. (laughs) And I was like that. And finally they found the problem and they rectified the problem and I was three years behind and we were in grade four and I was reading Run, Spot, Run. And I thought I'd never get anywhere. Eventually I started to catch up. And I had a flashback when I was 15. I was in physics and I did my first assessment and I didn't study for it and I was away beforehand. Um, I was sick. And the, the physics teacher, who was a funny guy and he didn't mean anything malicious, but he, he went through the results and... Jamie, you've done really well, and Sally, you've done pretty good, you can work on that, and Igor, oh man, you've got to really get a lot of homework done, and then he turned to me, and he said, Fraser, if you ever want to serve the community, I'd suggest you go down to the Pal Dog Food Cannery, Pal's a dog food back then, and throw yourself in the giant mincer, and... The class laughed, and I laughed. I said, that's, that's funny. Do you hear that? It's really good. Um, and did that impact on me? I don't know how much it impacted on me, but that is the only thing I can remember from that teacher. I can't remember any pracs or positive things he said or any other negative things. I can remember that word for word. And at the end of school, I pretty much had enough. And I walked out those gates at the end of year 12 and I said, Lord, that's it, I'm done. Um, what do you want me to do now? 
turn around and walk back through the gates and become a teacher. <laughs> no, why? Have you seen that? Here are all the excuses. I'm the least in my clan. <sighs> the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go back through the gates. And so I did. Judges 6.24, Gideon built an altar to the Lord where, um, there and called it, the Lord is peace. I, I think we see a transformation in Gideon's character here. Most of the time we spend trying to either avoid God or to get his attention. But he's starting to build a relationship. The Lord is peace. Not the Lord has peace. He is peace. And I feel peaceful for the first time when I'm around him. So it's a positive thing. And God goes on to tell him, well, you're going to have to pull down your father's um, altar to Baal and the Asherah pole beside it. Because peace is a two-way thing. You can't have your feet in both camps. So he re-establishes his connection to God. And the Bible says to honour your mother and father, but your mother and father don't have the right to lead you into false religions and to lies like that. And many of you here, and you've taken that courageous step, you know, my parents don't agree with me coming to church. But this is the right place to be. And you can still honour them and cut off that family of origin stuff as well. You might be here tonight and you're been coming for a while and you're going through the motions and you're saying the right things at the right time hallelujah high five if you've read this verse or something like that but maybe you're doing something different on a monday maybe you're hedging your bets maybe baal is over here the promise of of riches or position or authority or status or something like that maybe tonight is your night 3rd of November 2019, both feet in the same camp because the peace comes when you're completely with God and you've cut all that off. The victory comes then when you're in the one camp. Jumping ahead a little bit, this is uh, chapter 7, verse 2. So Gideon knows that he's going up against the Midianites and their, um, their team and they have about 120,000. He's got 32,000. Bit of a cause for concern, but it gets worse. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into into their hands or Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many. So Gideon took the men down to the water There the Lord told them, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. So this is what's happening. It's going down to the water. And two sorts of things. The first type of drinkers are doing this, like that. And the others are scooping up and drinking from their hands. God can do so much more with a small group of the right people than a whole vast army of the wrong people. And he asks us to do the same thing. Part of getting confidence is surrounding us with the right people. And we want the courageous people who won't run away from a battle. And that doesn't mean they're not fearful, but they control the fear and they'll go into battle for us. And we want the people who are up and vigilant and aware of what's going on rather than the ones that will dip their heads. Surround yourself with the right people. Some lessons from Gideon. 
Don't you love it when someone gives you a list? 300 ways to be a better husband, three ways to be a better wife. (laughs) So I've kept it to five. First one is shake it off. There's an old story about a farmer who had an old donkey. And rather than burying it, he thought, I don't want to dig a hole for a donkey. I'll stick it down the well. I'm not using the old well anymore. And I'll throw a whole lot of dirt down on the donkey. And look, job done. Don't need the well. Don't need the donkey. Didn't have to dig a hole. And the donkey did an interesting thing. When all the dirt came down on top of it, shook the dirt off, stepped up on the dirt. And then the farmer dumped a whole lot more dirt down. The donkey shook it off and stepped up again. More dirt, shake it off, step up. And eventually it got to the point where it could actually step out of the well. So when people throw all these words and this negativity on you, you've got two choices. One is to get buried by it. And, and just crushed by the negative words they put on you. Or you can shake it off and step up and actually raise above it. Number two, be careful of the words you speak over yourself. And it's so easy to do. And my wife is very good at pointing this out to me. So I'll do things like coffee makers going, but I'll forget to put a coffee cup underneath. And I'll go, you idiot, Fraser. And she'll go, no. You're not an idiot. That was idiotic. But you're not an idiot. I didn't mean I was an idiot. I meant that was idiotic. Okay, don't say it then. Don't say it then. If you say it enough, it can start to go in. The other thing we're really good at doing is catastrophizing. Let me give you an example. I back the car into something. I'm always doing this. No, you're not. You just did it that once. Or, my whole morning's just typical, isn't it? Everything's going wrong today. Universalize. No, everything's not going wrong today. You just backed the car in. There's been a lot of good things that have happened, but you've just backed the car in. So be careful of the words. Don't catastrophize. I'm always doing this. Don't universalize. The whole day is gone just because of that. I have a family friend who suffers from anxiety and I read the words that he puts down on Facebook and he says things like this, my anxiety is out of control today and it deeply troubles me, my anxiety, I don't have anxiety, this is my anxiety, it belongs to me, it's a part of me, it's attached to me and it goes up and down. I would much rather, he says, the enemy's anxiety is with me today, but I'm packing it into a nice tight ball and I'm going to hit him right between the eyes with it next time I see him. I'm going to shake it off. Be careful of how you say the words, how you say things, particularly on on Facebook too, in print. Surround yourself with encouragers. Have a really good team around you of people that are courageous, that are alert, And that will truth in love to you. Okay? So they're going to say the positive things, but in a loving way, they'll also stretch you as well. And be encouragers, not humblers. Romans 8, sorry, Romans 12, verse 8. That that is one of the roles that we have in the church, to encourage. Put your hands up. Who's an encourager? Around the place. That's a lot of encouragement. Good stuff. Humbling is not one of the roles 
You won't find that in Scripture, but some people have taken that mantle upon themselves. God's called me to alert you about this. Um, That sort of thing. We don't have humblers. If you're a humbler, you're probably better off just not saying anything at all. Leave it to one of the encouragers. Okay. I want to show a quick clip to you. This is from Captain Marvel. And it's sci-fi. We're going to leave the sci-fi bit out. And to explain it very quickly, there's an older woman who's basically Satan. And she's taken on Captain Marvel and stolen her from her home. She's spoken lies into her. Captain Marvel's now trying to stand up for herself. Listen to the words. You're weak. You're useless. You're hopeless. And with every one of those words... She sees an episode of her life where she has fallen down and failed at something. And in the end, Satan basically says, you're only human. You're only human, aren't you? And she remembers her humanity. And in that, she remembers her connection to a higher source. And she remembers the number of times she's got up. Let's have a look. Thanks to you, those insidious shapeshifters will threaten our borders no more. I used to believe your lies, but the scrolls are just fighting for a home. You're talking about destroying them because they won't submit to your rule. And neither will I. We found you. We embraced you as our own. You stole me from my home, my family, my friends. It's cute how hard you try. But remember, without us, Give it up, you're weak. You're flawed. Helpless. We saved you. Control. Without us, you're only human. You're right. I'm only human. human but the Lord is with you mighty warrior if you've been knocked down 50 times this week and you're here you've got up 50 times as well if nothing else you've done squats so the quads are doing well let's pray Lord Jesus, there are people here that have had harsh words spoken over them, sometimes deliberately, sometimes from humblers. But there is no other voice than your voice, the voice of our creator. Lord, you made this planet. You made us. 
every time we breathe, we're sucking in air that you created. No one else can, no one else has the right to speak into our lives. Jesus said to to Peter in Matthew, who do you say I am? And that's a good question for us to remember and to ask back to Jesus whenever we walk away from a situation where people have been harsh or negative or unhelpful. Jesus, who do you say I am? I'm not listening to those voices. I'm listening to yours. And Jesus says, I'm with you and you are a mighty warrior. And if this is your first time in church and Perhaps you've come from an environment where you don't hear positive words, where people's main desire isn't to edify you and to build you up and to encourage you. Welcome to this space. If you don't know Jesus, we're all about him. And this is what he's about. If you want to connect with Jesus, if you want to have positive words spoken into your life if you want to be built up and confident in every situation if you want to stand up and stay standing let's pray this prayer Lord Jesus I thank you that you went to the cross you died for us you died for us so that we have a birthright It means so much, but it means that we walk with confidence. We have a mission. We are mighty warriors. We have a job to do for your kingdom. We work through that birthright. We claim it. We won't relinquish it. No other voice. Lord Jesus, we give you our lives. And there's a longer conversation that goes with that. But if you've prayed that prayer, would you just put your hand in the air? Just as a a shout of, a salute of triumph. Just put your hand in the air if that's you tonight. If you have accepted Jesus. You're throwing away those confidence killers and you say, no more. This is the place I want to be. This is the space where I can grow. I can feel safe. Just put your hands straight up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, if you've prayed that prayer, if you'd like to come and see me, I can give you a Bible. But thank you for coming tonight. Remember those points. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.